You're listening to Just Another Fanboy Presents The Death of Superman. And this, well, this is a bonus episode. Hello and welcome to Just Another Fanboy Presents. I'm your host. My name is Steven. And today we're going to do things just a little bit differently as we are on an off week this week. And that just means that uh, 30 years ago, this week, 30 years ago, there were no issues released from the death and return of Superman event. And since I am following along based on that release schedule just 30 years later, there's nothing for me to talk about this week. And rather than just not do an episode this week, which is an option that I may choose now and again during future off weeks, because there will be future off weeks. And don't worry, I'll give you fair warning before they happen. Uh, anyway, I wanted to put together a bit of a bonus episode for each and every one of you. And considering that the death of Superman 30th anniversary issue dropped just last month, I thought it might be fun to talk about that. But first, I've actually had some feedback. I got a, a bit of feedback from a couple of places. Uh, since I started this podcast, and I thought I would go ahead and share those with all y'all. The first one comes from uh, way back in October 6th. Uh, it was back after I released my Zero episode, and I got a text through the Just Another Fanboy voice line. And, you know, just so y'all are aware, if you ever want to provide feedback that um, I will then share on the show at some point, uh, I will. Uh, try to save them up and use one of these off weeks as um, feedback episodes. If I have enough, they could be an episode by themselves, or in the case of what I'm doing here today, they can be part of whatever else I might have in mind uh, for any uh, off week bonus episode type things. But again, this came in as a text, and uh, I'll just I'll just read it to you. Oh, I think. Uh, <laughs> I got away from what I was the the point I was really trying to make there but yeah if you want to provide some feedback the the various places you can do that uh will all be in the show notes but there's the the voice line that you can text to uh or you can you can call it and leave a voicemail just if you text let me know who you are and then I've got the email address there's the forum there's Twitter there's there's a bunch of places you can go to provide feedback so yeah, let me let me get to, to to what I've got so far. So the text just simply reads, it's Matt, the Super Radio Revisited guy. Great start to your new podcast. I'm looking forward to reading along and listening. I just wanted to add a couple more differences in the John Byrne era. Superman traveled to Earth in a matrix chamber in the rocket so that he was actually born on Earth after he landed. The other difference, and I love this one, is that both Ma and Pa Kent were alive at the time. I love the episode and look forward to more. Yeah, uh, <laughs> first of all, thanks, Matt. Um, Matt, if you folks are not aware, he hosts the uh, Superman Radio Revisited podcast. He also provided the intro bit to episode number seven, Death of a Legend. So yeah, thank you once again, Matt. And you know, um, I totally forgot about the gestation Matrix thing uh, when I talked about the changes that John Byrne made there in episode zero. And really, it's a pretty big change because uh, Matt's right. 
that made Superman born on Earth uh, and not uh, a baby who was born on Krypton and then placed in a rocket and sent to Earth. This is basically uh, the embryo or whatnot that on Krypton, it's a very, they have very loveless marriages. They're, they're bonding pairs, basically, between man and woman. They're selected to bond, and it's very, uh, it's very formal. And they take their bits from each other and, and have them uh, mixed together and placed into a gestation matrix to, to create life. And that's where the children come from. And, uh, Kal-El, uh, was, well, Jor-El, his father, upon learning of the imminent destruction of Krypton, placed the gestation matrix onto a rocket. Uh, actually kind of crafted the rocket around the Matrix, and that's what he sent to Earth. So when Clark landed on Earth, uh, Kal-El, he was, he was then born there. So he is a, uh, an alien who was born on Earth, basically. He's, he's more, um, in that fashion, basically, it's, it's like he's, he's, he's tied to Earth more, uh, than Krypton because that's, that's where he was born. And that's, yeah, that's kind of a big part for me to leave out. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, but you know, that's what I do. Y'all know that about me. I always forget stuff. Uh, that's just the way I am. All right. So my second bit of feedback comes in, uh, on November 3rd, it was sent to the email address, just another fanboy at gmail.com. And it comes all the way from Cairo, Egypt. And, uh, I'm, I'm going to try very hard to, uh, pronounce this name correctly. So please forgive me if I get it wrong, but it looks like it's, uh, Badir. Uh, and Badir writes, really enjoying your death of Superman retrospect so far. I remember the impact left by this event being huge. He put huge. Wow. Did I say he, I'm just assuming this person is a, is a male that that's kind of sexist of me, isn't it? Wow. That's something to think about, Stephen. Anyway, they put huge in, uh, all caps. Uh, so I remember the impact left by this event being huge to the point that even newspapers back in Egypt covered it. I might be overhyping this a bit, but I see 1993's The Death of Superman as the most prolific death of a fictional character since Sherlock Holmes' fateful encounter with Professor Moriarty at Rickenbach Falls. Looking forward to the next episode. Yeah, I don't think you can overhype The Death of Superman at all. Uh, I agree with you. It, it had a huge impact, and I think it is a, a, a pivotal moment for uh just pop culture in general you know it's a big deal that superman died and i know that nowadays i think folks who maybe just started reading comics within the last 20 years even might look back on that and go yeah superman died you know everybody dies and comes back in comics that's that's the way it is and yeah that is the way it is now there there's a reason why we call it the revolving door of death in comic books uh Death is a way to sell books, you know? Oh my gosh, they're killing off this character. We've got to get that issue. And and I think a lot of that comes from the death of Superman. You know, there were other characters, of course, who had died and had come back at the time, uh, you know, before uh, and around that time, but not as often, uh, you know, it wasn't something that just happened all the time. It wasn't something that, you just took for granted. This character is going to die, uh, but you know they're going to bring them back. It's just, you know, it's it's for those who weren't there at the time, there, there legitimately were people 
who were very angry at DC because they thought that Superman was not coming back. And, you know, there were many of us who knew that Superman was coming back, but I think it was more because because I was one of them. I knew that they were not going to kill Superman off permanently. But for me, uh, so I'm not going to speak for everybody who just knew back then that Superman was coming back, but I can tell you that from my perspective, for me, it was more, I just, I knew that he was coming back because I just couldn't fathom the idea of DC killing off their, well, I would consider him their single most popular character. I think most people would argue that that's Batman, but despite that, Superman is either the number one or number two most popular, most recognized DC comic book character across the globe. And the idea in my brain, while logic is something that often escapes me and is like, for me, thinking logically is like trying to capture smoke using a net. This was one time that I think logic told me that DC is not going to do something like that, that Superman will be back. And um, but it wasn't it wasn't because, you know, my thought on this wasn't because, well, they do this all the time. This is what comic books do. They kill a character and they bring them back. So, yeah, to to say that the death of Superman is a landmark key pivotal moment in just pop culture in general, I th- I don't think that's uh, hyperbole, and I agree with uh, Badir. If again, if I'm if I'm pronouncing the name right, but I agree that I think it's a uh, it's just as big of a deal as something like Sherlock Holmes and Professor Moriarty uh, meeting what I assume is the first time for the first time at Rickenbach Falls. I've never read any of the Sherlock Holmes novels or, or books or short stories or anything. My real knowledge of Sherlock Holmes uh, comes from two sources, the uh, Robert Downey Jr. movies and the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch TV show, uh, which was freaking awesome. But yeah, thanks for the email. Um, It's neat. It's neat to know that somebody in Egypt is listening. And uh, that might be the old man and me speaking. Um, You know, you youngsters out there, I'm sure it's not any big deal to know that something you say or provide out there to the internet is being viewed uh, by people across the world. But, you know, for an old man like me, I think that's pretty cool. It's pretty neat. Anyway, um, let's get on to the book, The Death of Superman 30th Anniversary Special. Of course, they have numbered it as a number one issue, but it's, you know, that's just a comic book thing. But this was released on November 8th, 2022, it carried a cover price of $9.99, but it was like uh, 87, 88 pages. It had four stories in it, as well as a number of pinups and, and artwork from uh, a lot of big talents across the comic book industry. Uh, but I'm, I'm just I'm going to talk about the four stories and I'm not going to go into just a bunch of detail because I didn't make any notes. Um, you know, a lot of when, when I'm talking about these death of Superman stories, um, and I need to start now that we've reached a point where Superman has died, I need to start referring to the event from its full title, which is really the death and return of Superman. But typically I, I read an issue, I look up the synopsis, and lately I've been taking the synopsis from 
wherever I find it online, which is usually dcfandom.com. And then I rewrite it. And then I go back and read the issue again and maybe jot down some notes. And then as I'm talking about it here on the show, I have it pulled up in front of me on my computer so I can look at it. Uh, And when I say it, I mean the issue. I have the issue and the notes in front of me. And so I'm looking at the issue as I'm talking about it and blah, blah, blah. That's probably too much uh, into how the sausage is made. You probably just don't really care. But for this one, I, I will have the issue in front of me as I'm talking about it, but I didn't make any notes and I've only read it the one time, and, th- and that was like over two weeks ago. So this might be uh, some really meandering kind of thoughts. But uh, it being a bonus episode, I'm, I don't feel like I'm beholden to any kind of real format at this point. And I think y'all agree with me there. So the first story is really kind of the main story of the book. I think it's the longer of the four. It's called The Life of Superman. It was written by Dan Jurgens with pencils by Dan Jurgens, inks by Brett Breeding. The colorist was Brad Anderson and the letterer was John Workman. Now, you should recognize the names Dan Jurgens and Brett Breeding. Uh, they were the team behind Superman issue number 75, the issue that Superman actually dies in. Uh, Dan Jurgens was part of the writing team that uh, got together and made the decision that they were going to kill Superman. And that, uh, uh, you know, how they were going to do it and mapped out that that whole storyline. He's one of the architects of this entire event. And in fact, he's the one who created Doomsday. Um, and I have heard, you know, I've been I've been listening to other podcasts and looking stuff up online and uh, anything I can find that somebody is talking about this this event whether they're talking about it now or they were talking about it back then or even five or 10 years ago. And something that seems to pop up a lot is that Doomsday was created specifically for this event, for this storyline. And that, from what I understand, is not true. Uh, in fact, I listened, I don't remember which podcast it was, but I listened to an episode of some show recently where the the podcaster. It might have even been a YouTube show. I've listened to a couple of them lately. Dan Jurgens has been making the rounds to talk about this anniversary issue over the last few weeks and, and months and whatnot. And on one of those that I that I listened to or watched, it all kind of melds together after a while. I feel like he told them that Doomsday was so, uh, uh, something that he had created before the idea of death of the death of Superman came into being, it's it, it, he Doomsday wasn't necessarily um, a fully fleshed out character, and there's a lot who would argue he he still wasn't when uh, uh, by the even by the time he died in issue number seventy five. But one thing that we will certainly be talking about here in this bonus episode is that the character of Doomsday, while it may not have been. Uh, fully realized during the death of Superman event. Um, there are other stories that Dan Jurgens tells after the death of Superman that kind of brings, uh, you know, fills in the blanks a bit on the the Doomsday story and and where Doomsday came from and all that. And again, we'll talk about that because that's part of this life of Superman story that we're going to get into. But I think the point I'm trying to make is that from what I remember, uh, Dan Jurgens had stated that he had been kind of sketching out this idea of a of a big bruiser type of character because um one of the conversations that the 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 team superman uh would often have 
uh, leading up to the death of Superman event was how many of Superman's villains are more cerebral. You know, Superman is a is a powerhouse. He's he's all about strength and um, you know, he's the strongest character in the DC universe. And uh rather than spend the last, you know, 50, 70, uh, at this point it's 80 years writing stories about Superman getting into punch-up fights with villains who are as strong as he is, a lot of writers created villains that would challenge Superman intellectually. And that's why we got characters like uh, the Ultra Humanite in the Golden Age, uh, Lex Luthor, Toy Man, Brainiac. You know, a lot of those villains, a lot of his main villains are brains over brawn. And that was kind of the the, the dichotomy with Superman and his villains. Uh, though Superman was, was and is a, a, a very intelligent person. He's not stupid. He's not just a big mass of muscles that beats people up. Uh, otherwise, he wouldn't be able to go toe-to-toe with characters like Lex Luthor and Brainiac and whatnot. And I feel like in the Silver Age, being super smart was actually one of his powers. I don't know if that's the case anymore, but he's not a stupid man. I mean, he's a freaking reporter for a, a, a globally distributed newspaper. You, you, you're not going to be a stupid man and, and be able to write Pulitzer Prize winning articles, you know, but the, the point I'm trying to make here is that uh, the creative teams had been discussing the idea of a villain that is just there to challenge Superman physically. And it's not like we haven't had characters like that. There's Mongol, uh, Darkseid, even some could argue is is uh, the type of character that is a, a physical challenge to Superman. But, you know, Darkseid also has the intellectual side as well. Mongol as well, probably. But Doomsday, I think, was was created to be more of a uh, uh, monster, an all-powerful, super strong monster that was just uh, the physical embodiment of rage and destruction, which is not something that Superman really uh, goes up against in the day-to-day. So yeah, I just re- basically took a, a really long time to say, uh, no, Doomsday was not created specifically for this storyline. So uh, I'm glad I took the time to do that. So looking at the first story, The Life of Superman, this is told, I'm going to guess, they don't say it, I'm going to guess that it's told at least 15 years after Superman died and returned. It's it's not told 30 years later. And it features uh, a guy that we've seen already at this point, uh, where we're at in this show. In, in the event. And that's uh, Mitch Anderson. He's the uh, the long haired punk who lived with his mom, whose dad had uh, taken off on him. His mom was trying to raise him and his baby sister. Doomsday destroyed their home. Mitch was a real punk. He was a real jerk. Nobody liked Mitch. Mitch liked Mitch, but and I'm sure his mom loved him. But uh, and he had his own friends. But those of us reading the books, none of us liked Mitch at that point because he was, you know, he was your typical selfish Everything is all about me, teenager. Well, in this story, we have Mitch, who is now all grown up, and he is uh, visiting a school on um, the anniversary of Superman's death. We just don't know which anniversary it is. That's why I'm guessing 15, uh, maybe 20, because Mitch looks like he could be anywhere between 25 to 35 years old. 
And he was about 15, 16 years old during the death of Superman event. So I'm going to guess this is about 15 or 20 years later. This is the 15th or 20th anniversary. They, again, they don't really ever say it. it doesn't really matter. But he's visiting the school and he's going to he, he's there to to talk to the school about that day and what it has taught him. And, you know, it's he's he he does make uh, uh, he, he has some growth during the the event. I know that. Leading up to the death of Superman is not the first for last time we see him. He does appear back in the story at least once more, possibly twice. Uh, but and and frankly, I'll be honest with you folks. Um, of course, by the time this episode comes out, episode eight was released last week, and I have already recorded episode nine. And I know that Mitch is in either one of those issues, possibly both. I honestly can't remember at this point. Uh, off the top of my head, because that's just not the way my brain works sometimes. And I've I've read the next issue that will be uh, episode 10. And maybe it's that issue that he's shown up in. I just uh, I'm blanking at the moment. It doesn't really matter. He's in this story. He no longer has long hair. He's wearing a suit without a tie. That's his one, I guess, rebellious act is that he's wearing, you know, a, a suit pants and a button up shirt and a suit jacket. But he's also wearing tennis shoes. And he's not wearing a tie, but his his hair is cut very conservatively. And he's wearing the black Superman armband that every that people were wearing back then to to mourn the death of Superman. But the most interesting thing really about this appearance of his is that the class that he's talking to happens to have little Jonathan Kent, Superman's son, in that class. And these kids look like they're about 10 or 11 years old. And uh Again, to to kind of harp back up on a uh, harp back up is that a phrase? Uh, but to to go back to the what time period is this in regard to uh, how long after Superman's death? Um, he makes mention that the none of these kids were alive, that they weren't born yet when Superman died. So we're looking at at least eleven or twelve years. That's why I'm thinking fifteen to twenty, and we know it's on an anniversary. And they're not going to do any kind of anniversary stuff at a, you know, like this, unless it's one of the big ones, 15, 20, 25. That's, that's, that's where we're at. But we learn here that John Kent, son of Kal-El, he had no idea that Superman had died, that his dad had died. Now, as comic books stand at the moment, um, as I'm recording this, uh, I'll pull back the curtain. It's November 30th, 2022. In the world of DC Comics and the DC Universe, um, Superman's identity is known. Everyone in the uh, across the globe knows at this point that Superman and Clark Kent are the same person. And so they also know that John Kent is uh, Superman as well. Um, in this point in the DC timeline, there are two Supermen. There's John Kent and then there's Clark Kent. Clark Kent is just returning from a, a big space thing. He's been He's been away for a while. He's been in space. On War World. So, yeah, just to, to let you know where we're at currently. But at this point in time, Superman's secret identity is not known. Jonathan Kent is attending a public school, but they do not know that he is the son of Superman. But he, his parents apparently have did not tell him about this time in their past when Superman died. And uh, there are moments in this story where he confronts his parents about that. Why didn't you tell me? Don't you think that's something I should know? And you know, Lois explains to John that um, they were going to tell him they were not trying to keep it from him. 
they felt that this was something that, uh, you know, it's an important discussion to have because one of the things that if if you're reading along with me uh, in regard to the death of Superman, there's a bit about Doomsday that has not been revealed yet. So if you have not gone past where we're at now, and frankly, it's not revealed at all during the entire death and return of Superman event. It's not till after Dan Jurgens does a, a, a mini series that's called Superman Doomsday that reveals all this information. And I'm going to go ahead and talk about it here. It's, you know, by this point, it's, it's more than 30 years old. So it's not a, it's not, or, or it's more than 20 years old. It's not a spoiler. And it's not something that's going to ruin anything for you. It's not going to ruin any any storyline or anything for you, really, at this point. But we eventually learn that Doomsday um, was a creation of, I know it was on Krypton. I don't know if the guy who created Doomsday was a Kryptonian, because it's been a while since I've read that Superman Doomsday miniseries. I think it's four issues. And it is something I have planned uh, to talk about during an off week. And in fact, um, I think in April, it's either in April or it's the end of April, the beginning of May, there's going to be a four week period where nothing was released during the event 30 years previously. And there's going to be then a week where one issue is put out and then following that another four weeks where nothing was released. So I, I, at some point during those eight weeks, uh, I'm going to talk about the Superman Doomsday miniseries. And I may split it up because, again, I think it's four issues. I may take those eight weeks and do uh, two from the first chunk and two from the second chunk and do an issue uh, per episode type of thing with that. I don't know. I haven't decided. That's that's for future Stephen to figure out. But it is in that miniseries that we learn that Doomsday is, a, in essence, a clone. Uh, this, this guy had gone uh, back in time, from what I understand, uh, to prehistoric Krypton. I know that it's set on prehistoric Krypton. I know that's where he was created. Whether or not the scientist who created him was a Kryptonian who went back in time, I, that, again, we'll, we'll figure that out when we get to that point in this show. But um, what I do remember is that prehistoric Krypton before, you know, there was any Kryptonians there to build a society, to build, you know, a civilization before there were Kryptonians. It was a very harsh planet, harsh environment, you know, and uh, as far as weather, the weather and uh, there were animals, beasts and monsters and whatnot that were living on the surface that were just deadly. And the scientist clones this creature basically creates this creature in a lab and just tosses it out there into prehistoric Krypton. And the creature is immediately killed by some kind of, you know, some Kryptonian beast. And the scientist takes the remains and uses that to, to clone another creature and throws it out there. And then that creature is, is a, we'll just go ahead and call doomsday at this point. And uh, that creature, that doomsday is killed. And so the scientist takes the DNA, the remains and clones a third one. And this happens over and over and over. And each time uh, Doomsday at this point, each time Doomsday dies and is cloned, uh, whatever it was that killed Doomsday is now built into Doomsday's DNA and Doomsday has a defense for it. So in essence, we're basically seeing evolution that is being 
manufactured and rapidly progressed onto one single being. And over time, this as this happens, the creature Doomsday becomes more and more powerful. Basically, the, the old adage, whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Well, with Doomsday, whatever kills me makes me stronger. And every time Doomsday dies, he comes back with a way to defend against whatever killed him. And he gets to the point where he's practically all-powerful and uh, kills the scientist that creates him and he goes amok amongst the stars, the way I understand it, and uh, uh, is killed a number of times by other civilizations, if my memory uh, is correct. And again, each time he he comes back, he's 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 evolved to the point that if he dies, he is he just comes back. He's like a phoenix. He rises from the ashes, but he comes back stronger. So I think you 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 see where this is going. But during one of those deaths. Uh, whatever it was, whatever civilization or, or, or champion or whatever killed him, they, uh, the, the, the green suit that Doomsday is wearing at the beginning of, of the death of Superman storyline is, is more like a, a funeral shroud. And, uh, the, the box that Doomsday is in that's buried in earth is basically, uh, a, a coffin and Doomsday comes back to life. And, uh, muscles his way through the earth and encounters Superman. And the one thing that they mentioned that the, the main reason I bring it up is, is, is when you read this story, one of the things they mention is that doomsday, uh, was designed. And I actually, I don't think they put it that way, but doomsday now at this point, because of the way he was created has a deep seated biological instinct to hunt down and kill Kryptonians. And in essence, they say in this story, that's why uh, Doomsday and Superman fought in the first place. And again, I don't remember much from the Doomsday Superman miniseries. It's been a number of years since I've read it, and I'm looking forward to reading it again and talking about it here. But I don't remember that aspect of it. I don't remember that there was a, you know, a part of Doomsday's DNA to seek out and, you know, hunt down and kill Kryptonians. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't like that. I don't, I've always been, uh, I'm always disappointed slightly, in some cases, super disappointed, and in some cases, kind of slightly disappointed when a writer takes a a character, a superhero, and retcons their origin to include their, uh, their big nemesis. To be part of that origin, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. There's, there's hundreds of examples out there, but I'm gonna throw one at you, and it's the, uh, fan. I'll, I'll use the Fantastic Four movie that Marvel put out a number of years back, before the Marvel Cinematic Universe was a thing. Uh, and I, th- I don't know if this came out of Ultimate Fantastic Four or some version of the comics. I don't know if this was something that they ever retconned in the comics, but by the time. That Fantastic Four movie was made. Doctor Doom was considered the Fantastic Four's big nemesis. Lex Luthor is Superman's. Uh, Green Goblin is Spider-Man's. The Joker is Batman's. Uh, the Fantastic Four had Doctor Doom. Well, in the movie, you know, the, the origin of the Fantastic Four, they, they go out in space. They're hit by cosmic rays. They, and, that, and that gives them their superpowers. Well, in the movie, in the end, Doctor Doom was with them. And he too is bombarded by cosmic rays. So 
his origin uh, is shared with the Fantastic Four's origin. And so those two characters, or in this case, this team and that one character, are forever tied together because of that. Where in reality, Doctor Doom was just a character that uh, Stan Lee introduced into the comic early on as somebody fun for fan- the Fantastic Four to fight. And then he brought him back again uh, a number of issues later, and then again a number of issues later. And 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 uh, he 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 was someone who eventually became the big foe of the Fantastic Four, but. His origin story and the Fantastic Four's origin story didn't tie together. And I understand the compulsion, the need for writers to do that. I just I don't I don't agree with it. If if when the characters were created, if their original origins didn't tie them together, I, I just don't always agree with that being forced into their, you know, retroactively forced into their origin stories. I just I'm not a big fan of that. And so to learn after Doomsday killed Superman that, in essence, the two of them are tied together because Doomsday's origin is tied to Kryptonians. And because of his origin, he is uh, always going to seek out and destroy Kryptonians. I'm not I'm not a fan of that. Uh, I like the idea that however it was that Doomsday got to Earth, whatever the circumstances were that put Doomsday in that box and put that box deep underground on the planet Earth that um, that that had nothing to do with who Superman is or Kryptonians in general. And that the reason that the two fought and that Super Superman died because of that fight was just because this monster was on the planet Earth for some reason and Superman had to stop him. The Knowing that despite how the story happened, the way it is, because nothing up to that point in any way suggests that the two were in any way connected. Uh, despite that, it's like they're saying that the two were were destined to fight anyway, because even if Doomsday didn't end up on Earth, whatever, whoever, whatever it was that killed him the, the time before Superman did and launched him into space to uh, haphazardly crash on Earth. That eventually Doomsday would have sought out Superman simply because Superman's a Kryptonian and that's what Doomsday does. I I don't like it. I'm not a fan of that. I I don't like it at all. It, to a certain extent, almost kind of cheapens the death of Superman storyline for me in a certain way. And I don't like saying that, but it does. Uh, But there's nothing I can do about it. It's it's out there. It's part of continuity. It's it's the way it is. And uh, I just I feel like I, I had to. Feel like I had to say something about it. But this story, while it does mention that, this story is ultimately about Jonathan Kent learning about Superman, uh, learning about his dad uh, dying, learning about the circumstances behind how his dad died. Of course, then feeling concern that, uh, you know, will Doomsday come back and want to kill me? And we know that, I mean, we have to know at this point that Doomsday comes back because that's Doomsday's thing. That's what we learn from. Superman Doomsday is that like Superman who appeared to die during their fight, uh, Doomsday didn't actually die when he will come back. That's something we can talk about later. I I can tell you that ultimately during the rest of the death and return of Superman event, Doomsday doesn't matter. That's that's all I'm going to say at this point. Uh, Doomsday is no longer a concern. 
but he does he he does enter back into the DC universe a number of times after this event. Whether or not we'll talk about those appearances, I don't know. But one of them would be the Doomsday Superman storyline or Superman Doomsday, whatever it was whatever it was called. And we are definitely going to talk about that. Anyway, beyond that aspect of the story with uh, um, Jonathan learning about Doomsday and, and and all that, it's kind of framed around a a construction worker who was part of the uh, the 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 team that were contracted to come into Metropolis and clean up after the whole doomsday thing. And we learn that there, there's a moment there, and I think it's in Superman, Superman 75, where Superman breaks off doomsday's bone spur that comes out of his knee. You know, doomsday has these bones sticking out in various places that he can use offensively, like the knuckle claws and these big spikes coming out of his knees and Dooms uh, uh, Superman breaks one of these big spikes off of Doomsday's one of his knees. Well, we learn that one of these uh, construction workers found this piece of bone and uh, took it home and mounted it on like a little uh, wooden pedestal thing and has kept it as a, you know, like a keepsake, a memento in his apartment. And because we know that Doomsday, uh, his thing is to die and come back, uh, we learn that after all these years of this piece of doomsday's bone sitting on this guy's mantle, it's been affecting this guy. And eventually it reaches a point to, to, to where the, the thing actually uh, becomes a part of this dude. And he turns into uh, a doomsday type monster, uh, but with some other attributes. And then that monster uh, starts wrecking Metropolis and, while Superman and Lois are trying to explain to, to Jonathan what happened, Superman also has to face this, this new menace that they call Doombreaker, uh, who has four arms and wings and, and is pretty awesome. And uh, Lois is the one who, through investigative reporting, learns about the bone spur and how it affected this dude and, and uh, is able to provide that information to, to Superman during this fight. And Superman is able to use that to stop Doombreaker. And the way he does it, because, all right, so the bone spur that, again, is mounted on a piece of wood, it doesn't actually, like, merge with this construction worker whose who's name, for some reason, I, I can't remember. And it's so far, every page I've looked up, looked at, hasn't, his name hasn't come up. But it, it's still a separate thing. But, like, radiation or whatever from it got into this dude and it's what's changed him into Doombreaker and uh Superman takes the bone spur and uh hits it with his heat vision and for some reason his heat vision causes a reaction and he it's like he uses the the bone spur to filter his heat vision and so his heat vision filtered through the bone spur hits Doombreaker and it changes him back into uh, Lloyd Creighton. That's the guy's name. Again, I don't know how it worked. I don't know. I don't understand the science behind it, but that's, that's what happened. It was a good story. I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was, it was, it looked really good. It was nice seeing, uh, Dan Jurgens and, and Brett breeding back together again. Uh, I'm not a fan of, I, I don't know which version of Superman this is supposed to be, which era of Superman this is supposed to be, but he has, uh, these like bracelets at the end of his sleeves that I'm, I'm not a big fan of. I, I don't know where they came from or what they were part of, but I'm not a big fan of those when it comes to his costume. 
The next story, story number two, is called uh, Above and Beyond. I think these the, the last these other three stories I'm probably not going to go into a lot of detail about. Uh, but above, above and Beyond was written by Jerry Ordway, pencils by Tom Grummet, inks by D- Doug Hazelwood. Glenn Whitmore was the colorist and the letterer was Rob Lay. And this just tells a story about Jonathan and Martha Kent uh, during the battle between Superman and Doomsday and Metropolis uh, that does end in Superman's death. Uh, the two of them are at home in Smallville watching this all unfold live on television. And the two are, of course, uh, very worried. And Jonathan is trying to reassure Martha that everything is going to be okay. And he does that by pulling out the scrapbook that Martha ha- uh, started. We, we, we saw this scrapbook first appear all the way back in Man of Steel, issue number one, the first John Byrne issue. He, he introduced the scrapbook that Martha has kept of Clark's exploits throughout the years. And Jonathan is basically using that to show Martha and then us, the readers, key moments in Superman's post-crisis life, his battle, his first battle with Metallo, his uh, a- adventures on War World, which um, I actually have read. I haven't read a lot of stuff that happened between John Byrne and the death of Superman, but that's one I, I recently read. Uh, though I don't think I finished it, unfortunately. They 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 talk about the panic of this in the sky stuff. Uh, but through this, we learn that uh, Superman at, at at some point he had brought uh, he he'd saved a, a bunch of children on a school bus. He flew the school bus uh, full of these children to the emergency room, and a nurse stops him and asks him if he can help her with something else. There is a. Uh, these transplanted these organs that are going to a, a transplant patient that are supposed to go to Chicago, but these storms, which is what put the school bus and the the, the school children at risk, uh, the storms have also canceled all these flights, and they're not able to get these organs to Chicago. And so Superman flies them flies them in himself, and then we learn that uh, he ends up doing this quite a bit. It's like he he makes almost a, a secondary hero career at um, flying in uh, kidneys and hearts and, and whatnot to transplant patients that need them. Uh, when I guess the regular medical courier couriers courier them having trouble with that word when, when they are not able to Superman apparently was there to do it. And there is a, a lot of um, articles that Martha found and cut out and put in the, the scrapbook uh, mainly about not about Superman making these deliveries, but she apparently has hunted down the various people uh, who got these organs and she has cut out articles on them, you know, uh, stuff that they have maybe done in their lives or uh, whether they be big achievements or even just uh, articles about uh, like there's one about this boy who uh, received a heart transplant and celebrates the the new heart by being able to to spend the holidays with his family you know just stuff like that it's just a it's a it's it's a story that uh, you know at first starts out as kind of a oh this is going to be a here's the highlights of Superman's post crisis stories leading up to this death of Superman event but it turned into um, more of uh, we have to remember that despite the fact that the Superman comics. Uh, just turned into Superman battling 
one big foe after the other and how each threat that he goes up against seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger and uh, to the point that you almost forget that Superman also helps the regular people. He's his, his only job is not to stop the next alien invasion. That's not what he that's he you know, he's there for that kind of stuff. Of course, he's going to he's going to do that kind of stuff. But he also, you know, rescues cats out of trees and uh, helps a kid who falls off his bicycle. He delivers organs to to transplant patients. You know, it's the, the stories you don't see in comics anymore. Just a reminder that that he still does that stuff. Uh, just that the, the DC feels that your average comic reader doesn't want to read stories about that, you know? So I, I feel like that's what that story was all about. And then seeing Tom Grummet, his artwork was pretty cool. Uh, story number three is called Standing Guard, written by Roger Stern, penciled by Jackson Geis, inks by Jackson Geis. Glenn Whitmore was the colorist and Rob Lay was the letterer. This is just uh, a Guardian-focused story uh that kind of deals with moments in guardian's life during the the death of superman event um starting with uh where we see guardian first enter the story when he um is there uh after that small town blows up when superman and maxima were fighting doomsday and and guardian shows up and he's all like is couldn't couldn't this have been hap- couldn't you do something else does does it have to be all this death and destruction and then uh, how he went from there to Habitat, uh, which is the second time he shows up, and then kind of how he goes from there to learning about Superman dying uh, and becoming, you know, someone on that uh, on at that scene trying to uh, perform CPR on Superman, and then going from there to the morgue uh, just before the Cadmus soldiers show up to try to claim Superman's body. And it was a nice little story, just kind of a look at the death of Superman, you know, leading up to the death of Superman from a uh, guardian's point of view. And then the last story was actually probably my favorite. It's called time. It was written by Louise Simonson, penciled and inked by uh, John Bagdonov, colorist, Glenn Whitmore, letterer, Rob Lay. And this is actually a uh, John Henry Irons story. Now, one thing we haven't gotten to in the the death and return of Superman is is the when we get to the reign of the Superman arc, the the third act of the story, and we have the four different Superman supermen who, you know, one of them might be Superman, and one of them is John Henry Irons, uh, who is now known as Steel, and his story during the reign of Superman is told by Louise Simonson and John Bogdanov. So it was really nice to see them uh, writing another John Henry Iron story. And this is the aftermath of Superman and Doomsday battling in Metropolis and uh, all the destruction. When we first meet John Henry Irons in the reign of Superman, he is uh, pulling himself out of rubble uh, the the rescue crews are, are looking for survivors and he pulls himself out and he says, got to stop Doomsday. And you're like, who's this guy? And then, you know, we eventually learn who he is and we don't see it. You know, we don't meet him until after. Obviously, Superman has died. It would have, you know, would have been nice to see that scene during the battle with Superman, but they hadn't quite conceived of who uh, John Henry Irons uh, was going to be and what his story was going to be until, you know, after Superman died. but. 
this is where we kind of get to see some of that. We, we see the moment where he pulls himself out of his rubble, his rubble. And <laughs> I say that where he pulls himself out of the rubble. And, you know, like I said, he says, got to stop doomsday. And then he goes after doomsday. He's trying to find uh, Superman and doomsday so that he can help Superman. Now, this is a guy who has no superpowers. He just, he knows that Superman needs help. And uh, we have learned that, you know, Superman at one point in his past saved his life. And he had asked Superman, you know, what can I do to, to, to pay you back? Something to that effect. And, and Superman, you know, he's like, you saved my life. What can I, what can I do to, you know, what do I do now? You know, what do I do with that? Superman says, make it count, make your life count for something. And that's what he's trying to do here. And as he's running through the streets of Metropolis, um, he never does encounter Superman and Doomsday. We know that from the story, but we see him coming across various things like a, an 18 wheeler that uh, was thrown through the air and flattened by Doomsday. And it's blocking the path of traffic and an ambulance can't get through. And uh, the fire department and rescue workers are there trying to clear this out. and. He, he comes and he helps them. He's, he's an engineer that's, you know, he's a freaking genius, uh, which is something we learn about him. And so he helps them, um, move this semi truck. He, he saves, uh, some people trapped in a building, uh, while, uh, looters are out stealing TVs and stuff. One of the looters has a sledgehammer, uh, uh, the signature John Henry Irons sledgehammer that he takes from the looter. And, you know, he's like, look, while you guys are doing this, people are in trouble. Look, look at these people up here. And the looters know, you know, they know these people. They're they're all from the neighborhood. And so John Henry and and these looters and, and other people from the neighborhood, you know, come together to to save these people who are all trapped in this building that's about to collapse and explode and all this stuff. It's a it's a great story. And, and we do get the moment. We do get to see John Henry Irons arriving at the scene after Superman has died. And he's he's standing there with his sledgehammer. He's 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 kind of back away, you know, in the background looking down at this. And he's uh, he's like, I'm too late. I couldn't do anything. Superman died. It's my fault. And somebody runs up to him and and they're like, uh, hey, you know, it's too late. Superman's dead. You can't do anything. But a building has collapsed. People are trapped inside. They're calling for help. Can you can you do something to help us? And he stands up and he's like, he says, uh, a while back, this is this is what he says. A while back, I was working high steel. I fell and Superman saved me. I said, I owed him my life. He told me, make it count. It's time I started paying him back. And we get a, the last shot is him with his sledgehammer ready to, to, to whack at some rubble to try to get through this rubble to get to survivors. And then superimposed behind him is steel with the sledgehammer. And it's, it's my favorite story because of the four Supermen during the whole reign of Superman uh, storyline, while I'm always going to love the Superboy uh, story just simply for Tom Grummet's art, Steel was always my favorite of the four characters. And he's still around, which I think is pretty cool. He was, he was a character that was created out of the death of Superman, and he is still around. And Superboy, same thing. But yeah, this is my favorite story, and I'm I'm glad to see uh, this side of of John Henry's story told because we don't see it at all during the death and return of Superman, you know. And it was really nice to see. And I'm just a big fan of Louise Simonson and the stuff she writes. And uh, I don't know that I've fully appreciated her talent until this time through the the, the this whole event. And uh, 
if that is the only thing I get out of rereading this for the third or fourth time, then, you know, that's a win in my book. Uh, there's nothing worse than rereading a, a story you've read a number of times and not getting anything out of it. You know, it, it's, it's, it's always good when you can reread stuff and you are able to pull something new out of there. And for me so far, what I've, what I'm, what I'm pulling out of this is, um, an appreciation for Louise Simonson, because I don't know, I just wasn't paying attention. I guess the other times, uh, I read through these, uh, it's uh, her, her ability as a writer is not something that shown through the other times I've read through this, but it's, uh, it's really become apparent, uh, this time through that she, uh, her, her skills. And it really didn't shine through and become apparent to me until the issue that I'm going to talk about next week. So that's something to look forward to. That's a little tease. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap up this here bonus episode. I'm not going to go through the, the whole spiel like I normally do. I'll just say that, um, next week is going to be, uh, week nine of the event, uh, in which I'm going to be looking at Superman, Man of Steel issue number 20. And that issue is titled Funeral Day. So this is the funeral of Superman. And um, I know I, I, I'm pretty sure I say this in the episode. I've already recorded it. I just it's it's it, I actually recorded it uh, a couple of weeks back uh, to pull the curtain back even more. So I don't remember exactly every single thing I said in that episode, but I'm pretty sure I talk about how in one of the previous episodes, I said that the whole funeral for a friend act of the four acts of this whole event that was my least favorite i felt that it was a my memory was that it was a slog and that it was boring and then i read this issue of man of steel and it's one of my favorites of the uh the series so far and i think it's at that point that i made the decision that i'm no longer going to uh be trying to talk about stuff that i seem to remember from the series but haven't gotten to yet in my rereading so uh yeah look forward to that episode i think it's 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 one of my better episodes so far because it's it's one of the best issues so far and most of that is because of louise simonson though i do feel that john mcdon of his art really compliments uh the story she's telling so look forward to that uh until then folks i'm just going to go ahead and wrap it up and say uh see you next week bye Fart, fart, fart. Fart, fart, poop. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.